Good morning, everyone. Welcome to La Jolla Community Church on this beautiful Pentecost Sunday. So let's all stand and worship the Lord and usher in the Holy Spirit.
You may be seated. Okay, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Lord, thank you for the gift of life and a new day. Please forgive our sins and hear our prayers, we pray. Thank you for getting us through last week safely so we can gather here in your presence. We ask your blessings on La Jolla Community Church and insight for each of us. Please give us a small portion of your light, the light of hope as we go out from this place into a world that sometimes sees so hopeless and dark. Lord, as we're here on this Pentecost Sunday, we remember all those years ago when you sent your spirit down to earth to correct us, convict us, lead us, protect us, and welcome us back with forgiveness when we sin. Lord, as we gather around our barbecues this weekend, we remember the service men and women uh, down through the ages who gave that last full measure of obedience their lives in service of their country and most of all we remember your son who gave his last full measure in obedience to you taking our sins upon himself so that we may have communion with and in you both now and forever in Jesus name amen Welcome to La Jolla Community Church. We are so glad you could join us today. For those who are joining us in person, you should have received a bulletin on your way in. On there, you will find our Connect card. If you are visiting us for the first time, we encourage you to take a moment and fill out that Connect card so we can get to know you. If you have new contact information, please fill out the Connect card so that we can get in touch with you and keep you updated with what's going on in church. On the other side, you will find our prayer card. If you have anyone in your life who is in need of prayer, please fill out the prayer card or visit our website at ljcc.org prayer. We'd love to be praying for those needs. You can drop these cards off on your way out in the back in the foyer or the box mounted on the wall. At LJCC, we want to walk together in our journey of seeking after God. If you are just beginning in your faith, desire a deeper connection with God, or are simply curious about the Christian walk, then please join us for our worship and prayer night an intentional time devoted to praising our Lord. Our worship and prayer night will take place on Thursday, June 15 at 6.30 p.m. There will be songs, prayer, and a time to meet with others. Let's worship the Lord together. We hope you have a great Sunday and are blessed by the worship and message today. May God bless you and have a great week. Morning, everybody. First of all, all-star cast this morning in the worship team. That's awesome. Great video, too, Joshua. And uh, the, the prayer by Gene, I really, it really struck me. I heard a few other people as well, so thank you for that. Memorial Day, obviously, you're supposed to say Happy Memorial Day. It's kind of a bizarre juxtaposition. Uh, a day of, of course, barbecues, of course, uh, uh, refrigerator sales, and, of course, traffic. Uh, two hours and 20 minutes yesterday for my daughter and I to get from San Clemente to Ranch Bernardo. So happy Memorial Day to you. Uh, but a few years ago, I had the opportunity over the course of four separate weeks to spend time with what's, uh, what the military calls Gold Star Families. Now, one week was with spouses. These are Gold Star Families means they've lost someone uh, in, in the line of duty. And uh, the first was with spouses, uh, wives who've lost their husbands. The second week was with parents 
parents who lost their children. Uh, another week was with siblings, people who lost their brothers. And then finally with the children, people who lost their fathers. And so I've always been patriotic, of course, but to spend time hearing their stories and listening to their resilience, uh, trying to make sense of this disorienting tragedy that happened in their lives, this unexpected thing had happened that they, of course, knew could happen, but so many of the stories were about the, the chosenness of their sons and husbands and fathers and brothers to go and do that, to lay their lives down for their friends, which, of course, is not just something we do to remember a Memorial Day. It's uh, not just meant to inspire us, these stories. It's intended to remind us of the pattern and life and death of Jesus, uh, not just to inspire us to, to maybe uh, wave a flag, but inspire us to live like that, live sacrificial lives. Like, Can you imagine uh, being so caught up in passion that you'd be willing to do that? You'd be willing to sacrifice being in, in charge, being in control. Can you imagine that? Yes, we can, because that is what we're doing here. We are gathering together to provide comfort and hope and healing for one another, to remind ourselves of who God is. But more, most importantly, what we're going to dig into today, that we are on a mission, a mission that always includes not necessarily triumph, but sacrifice. So this morning, we're going to talk about something that happened uh, 2,000 years ago, and it was in Jean's prayer. Today is the, called the Feast of Pentecost. And it's, uh, Pentecost means it's, uh, it's, it's technically 50 days after Passover, which now today we've kind of co-opted it in the Christian calendar, and it's, uh, it's essentially seven weeks, 49 days after Easter, uh, 50 days. And as we're going to talk about it, I'm actually going to uh, take us on a bit of a tour, historical tour of Israel and, and uh, the, the, the Bible and how this, uh, like the theme of Pentecost is relevant for us today. But I can remember uh, one of the most memorable Memorial Days for our family was exactly, well, I guess the, the calendar changes a little bit, but it was uh, 17 Memorial Days ago. Uh, my wife was like a thousand weeks pregnant. And uh, the last hurrah before this baby came, we had friends who lived on the boardwalk in Mission Beach that invited us to a barbecue. And so we were going to go down, and, and my wife's you know, gigantic, she can't even walk, can't even barely sit, just so uncomfortable. And of course, I dropped her off at, right at where the house is, and I said, BRB, be right back. I'm going to go find some parking. Two and a half hours later, we finally went home <laughs> after my wife had had a hot dog, <laughs> nachos, after I'd driven by so many times uh, waving at the house where all of our friends were there and they'd wave at me every single time. So sorry, they brought out a hot dog for me once so I can tour around Mission Beach to find a, a parking spot. I was at some point, I was like in Claremont trying to find parking to walk. This is pre-Uber or I would have done that. Uh, but it's a reminder today for me, especially being in traffic yesterday, that I love to be in control. I love to be in charge, and I really hate it when I don't get to be. I mean, yesterday I just was, I, I knew, and now we have the maps on our phone, we know how long we're going to sit in traffic, but every single minute or two, I would kind of refresh it. Is there another way to go through Camp Pendleton? Is it still going to get us there at 4.02, or can we maybe beat that to maybe 3.57? I don't know why I do that. It doesn't really matter, but I cannot stand. Do you know that feeling you get when you're not in charge? when things aren't the way you want them to be. Advertisers know that. Uh, how many of you know the, the new slogan for Burger King? It's an it's obnoxious commercial. I'm going to sing it. You're going to hear it. If you've ever watched any sports, probably, if you watch the Super Bowl, if you, uh, so 
at BK, have it your way. And then there's a subtle part at the end. It says, you rule. And if you remember, if you were around in the 80s, uh, Burger King has always really had the same slogan. Have it your way, right away, at Burger King now. Uh, They're just riffing off the same slogan. Advertisers know that we cannot stand not having things the way we want them to be. God knows that about us as well. And what we're going to talk about today is going to actually inform how we learn to yield our control, to surrender our control, so that God could do something through us. It's kind of profound, actually, that we aren't here just to gather to reminisce about a story 2,000 years ago, but we are participating in a story that's happening right now. And we're not waiting for something to happen like 2,000 years from today or after we die. We're actually involved and can participate in God's unfolding story right now. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dig into some scripture. Uh, Lord, we want to be people that yield control. We are inspired by these stories of sacrifice, and yet it feels sometimes like just that, inspiration. But yet, God, you invite us to be the ones who sacrifice. Help us to know what that looks like, especially in our daily lives, when we can get overwhelmed by sometimes uh, small things. Uh, We don't know oftentimes how to navigate, how to live wisely. We don't want to make mistakes, but yet, God, we also don't want to let go of control. So help us to know what it looks like to walk in step with you, to invite you into our daily lives. And Spirit, who we're talking about today, would you have your way with us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. But let me just submit this idea to you. Being in charge actually sucks. Uh, it actually stinks. We want to, you know, low man on the totem pole in the, in the organizational chart, we can't wait to have the say for the schedule. And, and, but until you become the boss, you realize, man, it was a lot better back then. You want to maybe be in charge of how you spend your time, but then you have children, and they're now in charge of you. And then as soon as they're gone, you want them back to come back and take charge. And as I was with my mom yesterday, uh, she and I were battling for control still happening. I am dealing with uh, kind of three quick stories for me where I'm tr- uh, kind of being pressed to figure out what is my responsibility? How do I take responsibility and take charge of these situations? We have a pretty significant, maybe even massive IEP battle with a school district. There's no textbook for that. I'm trying to figure out how AI can be applied to parenting. There's no script for that either. I continue to coach youth sports, which I talk about often when I come here. Recently, my daughter, I was coaching her in a game, and there was another coach who just wasn't doing things right, you know? (laughs) Was uh, maybe getting a little bit too passionate about youth sports, maybe forgetting that there were children involved, uh, maybe even forgetting that the 14-year-old referee was also a child. And so I had to be the one to wave my hands to the other sideline and say, use your head, there's children here. Uh, I didn't want to be that one, though. As soon as I did that, I knew from that moment I had to go after the game and have a conversation, a direct confrontation with someone. I didn't want to do that. I like to be in control. I like things to go the way I want them to go, but I don't like to step into these moments a lot of times because they're intimidating. I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel in over my head, and I wish I didn't have to do them sometimes. How are we as Christians supposed to think about the world that we're in? as 
bystanders or participants? As people that just commemorate or people that are still a part of the battle? Uh, Pentecost, it comes from this story in Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. I mean, do we need to know all those? Uh, Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. In other words, everybody from everywhere. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages and about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. And you probably have a different, slightly different translation up there. What can this mean? There's actually hints all over the place. If we're reading this, if we were Jewish people reading this story 2,000 years ago, we would be like, oh my gosh. I don't know if you've ever got into, like, let's say, Star Wars, or if you know someone who's like really into Star Wars. Uh, spoiler alert, there's all these shows that have come out in recent years in Star Wars, and if you're hanging around with like a really geeky, nerdy Star Wars fan, someone who's read the novels, not, only, not to mention seen the movies, they will now be watching the current shows and something will happen. The smallest nerdy little thing, will, like a ship in the background, will come across the screen and the real people that understand Star Wars will all of a sudden stand up and get so fired up because that ship has to do, and, I, and that's why I stopped listening, but that ship was like referenced 49 years ago in some novel that was also in a movie and, and they're like, their mind is blown that they would like all of a sudden see that ship in this story. That's actually how people would take stories like this 2,000 years ago. They would be seeing these things that we don't necessarily see. So let me try to unpack a few. Pentecost was happening. The Jewish believers, Jesus had died. And right before he uh, uh, came back uh, seven weeks ago uh, on Sunday, uh, on on Easter, he had said that the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. Jesus had promised that. And actually, John the Baptist had actually promised that like three years earlier. John the Baptist had been saying the Holy Spirit's going to come and you're going to get baptized like with spirit and with fire. Uh, so Jesus had promised you're going to get this. So the disciples were waiting. There's 120 of them, illusions, 12, 120. There's illusions to these like uh, deeper cuts in the, in the Old Testament, 12 tribes of Israel. They're hanging out waiting in prayer, waiting for this Holy Spirit to come. They don't know how or where or why or really if. They don't know what that means for the Holy Spirit to come. All they know is Jesus died and came back again and everything's changing. And in that moment, the, it says there's like winds, but it's, you could see the writers like tr- struggling to define this and describe it. it it's, it's like he says, it's, it was wind, but it wasn't really wind. It was like, it was like roaring, rushing, but it wasn't, it wasn't like breeze, but it was, like was kind of like wind. And then these tongues of, it was kind of like fire, it was like flames, but it kind of looked like tongues. And you see these illusions trying to describe this moment. Well, this moment was an illusion to moments that had happened before in the story of the Old Testament and the Jewish story. 
You might uh, think of uh, Exodus 3 where Moses encountered this flame inside of a bush, an eternal flame. The flame wasn't, it wasn't uh, uh, deconstructing this bush at all. It just kept burning. And that's where Moses had this moment where he interacts with God, God's presence. Heaven and earth kind of opened up and there's fire and God was speaking to Moses. And what was he saying? He was saying, I'm gonna, it's, you're, you're the one I'm calling you to go and lead my people out of slavery. You're the chosen one to go lead my people out of slavery. And, and then we get into essentially the Passover story from that moment. Uh, the story continues, if you've read that in Exodus, where Moses does go back and there's all these plagues and then the people are free and they now are in the desert. And there's this particular moment where Moses is brought up by God to Mount Sinai, up to this mountain. And everyone else is down below. And all they see is this big cloud cover the mountain. And what they also are trying to describe, it was like a storm. It wasn't a storm, but it was like a storm. There's like kind of lightning, but it wasn't lightning. And then there was, uh, all of a sudden this guy comes down, uh, days and days later, Moses, and he's carrying these two tablets. Heaven and earth had intersected and, and uh, connected once again. And now uh, through Moses, God was telling people how to uh, be with him how to be God's people. It was through the Ten Commandments. And then a few weeks later, as God is instructing them to build this thing called the tabernacle, is this kind of like makeshift tent where God's presence would come. Actually, fire, when they did, again, trying to describe, it was kind of like fire. Fire came and rested and, and uh, took up this sacrifice. And then ultimately, that fire turned into this eternal flame, this fire that never went out. And eventually, the Israelites settled their way into Jerusalem and, and Israel and Judea, and they built a temple. And again, the same sort of moment happens. The priests are offering this offering, and the flame, kind of like a flame, comes, and it uh, uh, takes care of the sacrifice. And that flame is what the priests tend and stoke for centuries until there's this thing called the exile. The exile had happened, and God had promised for centuries, if you don't obey me, if you don't live your side of the covenant, you clearly are communicating to me that you don't want me in your life. So eventually, I'm going to just do what you apparently want, which is me just to leave. And so God left. And these other nations came in and took over Israel and killed people and sent them off and scattered them into foreign lands, destroyed the temple, and the flame went out. That flame was their symbol that God was with them, and that flame went out. And as the story of the Old Testament goes, eventually those people kind of regathered, and many of them who were off and, and, and had reproduced and blended with other cultures, they started to come back to Israel. And eventually they actually rebuilt a temple, but there was never a flame. In Jesus' time, there was still not a flame, because that flame, that fire, had been sent by God in unique times. They had rebuilt the temple with no sense of God in the building. It's something that we often miss. Jesus was living and doing ministry in, in, in a part of a time when they had been reconstituting all of their rituals, and yet they were doing it waiting, hoping that God would come back again. See, they were in exile still. Even though they were back, they still understood themselves to be in exile, exile from God. And now you see kind of zooming back in to this moment 
where not only Jesus had come and the Spirit, like a dove, had baptized him and the Spirit was uh, uh, through him, everywhere Jesus went, it was like heaven and earth were separating, or not separating, they were coming back together again. The veil was, was kind of uh, diminishing, and wherever Jesus was, it seemed like the things that God wanted to happen would happen. People would be healed, people would be set free, people would be taught about how to access God. It was no longer follow these rules and follow these rituals. It was no longer in a location like the temple. Here we have 120 believers, not in the temple, not clean, not doing all the ritual purity laws per se, and God's spirit finally comes back to his people through a flame and a breath. Winds, breath, flame, fire. God is back. God is in the building. So what happens? They start speaking in all these languages, these normal, ordinary, everyday people who were fishermen and tax collectors all of a sudden start using languages that make sense to the other people who had come from the four corners of the globe. This reminds us, the illusion is the Tower of Babel, which we teach our kids. This story, this allegory, this story of how early on God's people wanted to be in charge. They didn't want to yield and surrender to this God. They wanted to do things their way. And so they all decided, how about we just build a city and build a tower? Then we will be like God's. And God, in that moment, disrupts them. And in that moment, it's, uh, it's kind of this, this uh, grander illusion of culture, and God sends people out, and all of a sudden, they can't understand one another. All of a sudden, they're speaking different languages. And the breakdown, the breakdown of humanity is really kind of caught up in that moment. When you can't communicate, when you can't speak, you start making assumptions about one another. You start making, uh, uh, getting distance from each other. You start... Uh, seen through the lens of survival and maybe violence. And you see from that moment, the Tower of Babel, you see people that start to divide. And here, in this moment, at Pentecost, God sends his flame, sends his presence back to these believers, not in the temple, but in an ordinary common space. And they start to unite people again. They start to participate. It is through them that God's kingdom starts to return. It's through them that it looks very different, though. God is not through Jesus setting up this new system where you have to do things, you have to be right, you have to check the boxes in order to get God's approval. He is saying, you are my people. You are my disciples. You, it is through you that you're going to do even greater things than I did. See, it's Plato, Plato's ideas. This Greek philosopher, Plato, was the one who said there is a heaven somewhere else, and an earth here. And, and we, the whole point of his existence is to kind of let go of this earthly existence and somehow get to this other place, this other realm. There's a division between heaven and earth. And this place, earth, is kind of dirty. It's kind of messed up. This is where the bad stuff happens. Up there is where the good stuff happens. So the point is to learn how to escape and go to this other place. That was Plato's ideas, not Jesus's. Jesus's ideas were that heaven comes here. And we don't wait for some other time. We don't wait for something else to happen. You don't have to wait at all, actually. It's right now that God is in charge. And if you're trying to be in charge, it's going to be tricky, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be frustrating. And it's going to lead you to hitting your head against the wall again and again and again. It's going to lead you to anxiety, frustration, anger. It's going to lead you to seeing people through the lens of survival. 
But if you look through and allow God's breath to flow through you, you will be a part of seeing God's kingdom come through you. And you're going to be put into situations that are way above your pay grade, that you do not feel equipped for, that actually leads you to a place of, woe is me sometimes. I don't want to have to do this, but God, you're calling me to do it. And it's on the other side of saying yes to that, that God's going to show up and use you. Jesus had promised the Holy Spirit to come. And there's one particular part that I want to highlight. It's in John chapter 14. In the Gospel of John, in the, in the kind of the Passover scene where Jesus has his 12 disciples together, it's uh, uh, three chapters. Uh, Jesus' longest recorded speech outside of the Sermon on the Mount where he's talking to his insiders. He's telling them and promising them what the Holy Spirit's going to be like. I'll read this passage this time. Uh, All this I've spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The Holy Spirit's going to come to you. And whether you call him the advocate, the counselor, the comforter, yes, yes, yes. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to remind you of what's true. He's going to remind you of reality. The reality is we do not live in a Burger King world. You cannot be in charge. Every time you try, it's going to be bad for you. Every time you try to have it your way, right away, now, it's not going to go well for you. And if you get what you want, it's not going to go well for the people around you. We do not live in a Burger King world. We live in that world where God is reminding us how life really happens. God is reminding us of how he set up the world that the tongues of flames of fire would be rested on you. Not those, just those 120 special people, but on you and me. So what does it look like? What does it look like? It's a burden to try to be in charge. It's not the way life works. Life works better when we learn to yield to God's spirit. Every time Steve and I kind of joke, whenever he sends me, hey, talk about this this time, uh, I, the joke is afterwards, um, I, I did not need this, you know? I don't, I don't need this in my life. I don't need this particular passage. I don't need this idea. Uh, but of course I do. And I continue to recognize that I live my life in such a way where I am trying to be in charge all the time. I I like to be in charge of my schedule. I have my little routines and habits. I like to walk my dog in the morning and then ride my little bike, my little exercise bike. I like to have my coffee. I like to have my... And you know what irritates me is when I don't get what I want. Someone doesn't show up to a meeting or someone does show up to a meeting and they want to talk about what they want to talk about. Uh, I've got kids that are texting me in the middle of the day. Hey, can we do this later? Uh, I've got my wife who wants me. And what really bothers me throughout my life is when I don't get to have it my way. And if I'm honest, having it my way isn't, I, isn't easy either. When I have things in their proper places, that's when I find myself living in anxiety. That's when I find myself not able to sleep. That's when I find myself not breathing deeply, uh, just literally physically clenching up. That's when I find myself being short-tempered, quick to anger, uh, because I don't want any disruptions. I finally got things right. 
I don't want you to disrupt this, but that's not life how, how life works. And so it is a grand experiment that we live in, that these stories that we uh, refresh ourselves with as we study the Bible or come to church aren't just there to inspire us, but they're there to inform us and instruct us that this is the path of life. And so, could it be as close as a breath? That's how I want to close with us this morning. I want to invite you, and you can kind of get into a little prayer moment, so if you want to close your eyes or something, go ahead. That's a little private moment. But what I want to do is uh, ask the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, would you come? And I know you're already here, so it's kind of silly at one level to invite you to come, but I also know that's how things work. It's by yielding. It's by opening up. And I also know that I can't open myself up unless you help me. So I pray for us, God. Would you help each one of us to open up our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits to you? And as we take our next breath, God, would we breathe in your spirit? God, you are closer than our breath. You are our breath. We can't breathe without saying your name. Yahweh. Spirit, we want you to be in charge. We want to participate with what you're up to. We do not want to go down our paths. We do not want to have things our way. We want things to be aligned to you. Thank you, Lord. And as we consider surrender, God, we also consider this morning's offering. God, we uh, uh, don't give to make ourselves feel better. We don't give to appease you. We don't, uh, we don't give to make others impressed with us. We don't give in some weird uh, formula that if we give more, we'll get more. Uh, we give, God, because you asked us to. And somehow entrusting that sort of sacrifice with our finances is a small symbol that we are the kinds of people that will yield in always to you, not just with our finances. And for some of us, that's particularly uh, difficult to give. There's something about money that, that we hold on to. There's something about money that holds on to us. I pray, God, that you would help us to trust your experiment, to yield to you, to let go of control, so that we can find more life and more freedom, so that we can be used by you. And we want to be like the disciples in that room. We want to be a part of bringing your kingdom. We want to see your kingdom come. So would you use us through our relationships, through our resources, through our schedules and the, our, the work that we have, uh, with our neighbors, with the people that we run across uh, in our neighborhood, uh, uh, in, our, in our offices. God, would you use us in powerful ways to make things your way. In Jesus' name, amen.
There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone.
Happy Memorial Day. <laughs> uh, may God the Father bless you with wisdom. May God the Son remind you how much he loves you. And may God the Spirit fill your hearts with compassion, love, and courage to go off and be who he wants you to be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory.